you know, this is a very little known fact, but did you know that there's a certain species of turtle that there's a certain species of turtle that can screw for three days without stopping? You don't believe me, do you? Well, I mean, how could I make something like that up? Uh, Barb, dear. Uh, I, I, I... They thought they'd made a horror show. Not it's They stirred a curse deep down below. What they had built it began to feel One hundred Forever now they must spin the wheel This is the 100 Lunatics Podcast, where horror lovers and horror haters come together for insights, insults, and information overload. Tonight, a special holiday horror episode, Spin 21, Black Christmas. Hello, everyone, and most importantly, hello, Agnes, it's me, Daniel. Agnes, it's him, Nathan. Hey, Black Christmas on Black Jack, right? Agnes, it's me, Billy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. But hey, 21, right? Spin 21, Blackjack, Black Christmas, Blackjack. Huh? Feel very synchronous tonight, Daniel. How are you this evening? <laughs> I'm outstanding, Nathan. Your energy is great tonight. Refreshing, isn't it? Wow. Outstanding. <laughs> uh, I got some other people with me. I brought some other people. Yeah, who else is in the room, Nathan? Uh, my lovely counterpart, Chelsea, has joined us tonight. Ugh. Welcome, Chelsea. Thank She's you. She's brought a, re- a really great energy and vibe tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'd say like an exact opposite of you. Great counterpart. Mm-hmm. I've also brought along the intern, or as some people may know him, uh, Drew mm. or Andy. <laughs> I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's just me, but I think maybe Nathan is bringing us down. <laughs> 100... Lunatics. And we are here to celebrate Christmas with Black Christmas. 1974, Bob Clark's Black Christmas. A Merry Black Christmas to all of you. Bob Clark like Bobby Clark? Like Philadelphia Flyer legendary hockey player Bobby Clark? No, Nathan. No, 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 no. Okay. But. Sorry, a little bit of the Canada came out of me there, eh? uh, It should. It should be spilling out because this is a Canadian horror film. Bingo. Bing, 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 bing. Bing, 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 bing. Someone won awards for this one. <laughs> Are you going to talk like that all night? Yes. All night long. Please do. Please do, Billy. 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 I've got Agnes. Daniel. Now, has, anyone, has anyone seen Black Christmas before? I just watched it. No, no, no. not tonight. <laughs> God damn it. First time. I think we were all Black Christmas virgins. We're all virgins here. Me too. <gasps> wow. What? Okay, I think I'm already tired see- of that voice. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the remake already once? I think I've seen the remake a long time ago. I remember bits and pieces of it. I had never seen the original. This movie is also known as When a Stranger Calls, is it not? 
No, that's a separate movie that lifted Same. its entire concept from Black Christmas. Oh. Uh, no, this movie actually was uh, distributed on television with a different title right. in the U.S. Right, but when, it wasn't when, when Stranger, Stranger Calls. Calls. No. Okay, well, we're going to get into a fight then. That's a separate horror film. Yeah, I've seen the original, I'm pretty sure, When a Stranger Calls. And it's not that. In that movie, they say, the call is coming from inside the house. And they do eventually say that exact same thing in this movie. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. They do. Yeah. Okay, it's not I'm, exactly. I misread, okay? The, the thing that I read was that when it was distributed on network television, it was called Stranger in the House, not When a Stranger Calls. You yes. are right. <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> it was deemed too scary for network television and was pulled off the air. That's correct, Chelsea. Wow. Might I say that your levels look spot on this evening? Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> All right, Black Christmas, 7.2 <laughs> IMDb, 63% critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 75% audience, uh, $620,000 budget, $4 million return at the box office. Where are, what's the level of the four of us on this movie right now? Let me feel the room because I was listening around to some. Uh, other podcasts and looking at websites because I was very curious about how other people respond to Black Christmas. So what's without going too in-depth, what's everyone's feelings on this? Yay or nay? Good time, bad time? Andy? (laughs) 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 It's me, Billy. Yeah, I'm not going to respond when you call me Andy anymore, oh, Nathan. That's what he was doing. He's offended by it. I'm just going to call him Billy. Yeah. yeah okay. Go, yeah, I'll we'll respond you, to that. We'll call you Billy? Oh, we, have, okay. we have Billy on the show with us tonight. Billy Bob, we got the ball. Give me Gil, give it up. Give me Gil, got the ball. I won't give it up. This is me, Billy. That's awesome. me, Billy. I would say that I'd like this movie enough to be uh, kind of positive. Okay, Chelsea? I really like this movie, actually. Okay, Nathan? Um, yes, I will say that it had a not a negative impact on me. I, I kind of was, I was seeing what the director was going for, and uh, the POV kind of struck me as as uh, odd right away we're gonna get into that but we'll get into it later yeah i don't want to i don't want to get into details that we're just not ready to get into yet daniel no i just wanted to an initial feel of the room exactly i wanted to feel the room it was positive but it also wasn't like impressed or anything it was just yeah christmas horror movie old school walked away with a positive reaction okay because without going too far into it myself I, I knew there was something. When I saw Halloween, my reaction to it wasn't as strong as I would have thought it would have been. And I felt like there was something wrong, like I was maybe seeing a slightly watered-down version of something else. And when I saw Black Christmas tonight, I knew why I felt that way. Because I think that I thought that was the predecessor to the modern horror film, but now I think Black Christmas is the predecessor to the, to the modern horror film. Thank you. That's what we were alluding to with the POV stuff is that we discovered that John Carpenter is a liar and he stole uh, stole from Canada. And not only that, Halloween is 
loosely a spiritual sequel to this movie. When interviewed Bob Clark, uh, I was watching some of the behind the scenes stuff um, on the special features, and Bob Clark said he and Carpenter sat down and discussed a possible sequel to Black Christmas where the killer gets caught, then he escapes in the fall, and he returns to, like, you know, bother some other sorority on Halloween. So why did you call it a spiritual sequel? Because the actual movie Halloween, and Bob Clark is very clear when he when he's describing this, is very much John Carpenter's movie. Like, it doesn't really... Even though they discuss these ideas, he doesn't think that Halloween is a... A rip-off? A, a rip-off, right. He doesn't, he doesn't think that. Uh, what about the modern horror genre fan base paying homage to a man that sat down with another man and stole that man's ideas. And that man was Canadian. (laughs) That's what this is really all about. You're sad that the Canadians came up with it first and the Americans get all the credit. Yeah, that's typical. (laughs) I'm saying that somebody's got a fuzzy memory. And their name is America. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Nathan, do you know what else Bob Clark is famous for directing? A Christmas Story. A Christmas Story. And another very famous Canadian film. Porky's. Porky's. Thank you, Billy. One and two. One and two. You were looking for Porky's on that one, not A Christmas Story. A Christmas Story is a classic, though. Either one. Uh, who else we have here? Olivia Hussey. Oh, ooh, 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 uh, ooh. We did see there ooh. was there was a little Hussey in the room at most points. Ooh, ooh. What is it, Nathan? What is it? Olivia Hussey is. I called it. I was like, is that Olivia Hussey? Is that Juliet from yes. like Franco Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet that I watched when I was in like grade nine or ten? Mm-hmm. It is. That's oh. the one. It's the one. That is the one. Also on death or in death of uh. On the Nile. Nile. Yeah. Jesus. And she Jesus. likes to, it's Get almost it like there. she's doing Shakespearean theater in her acting. Hello. Yeah. On the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello. I want Hello? to have an abortion. Hello? All right, Peter. Is anyone there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dost thou have a purpose to this call? Bob Clark should have come out and been like, oh, okay, calm down. He's about to say cunt to your face like five or six times. Just, uh,. <laughs> Uh, Margot Kidder, famous for Lois. Lois Lane. Lois Lane. And from a horror movie, though, like this is 100 Lunatics. Amityville. There you go. Amityville Horror. Yes. Oh, big, she... pretty, pretty big deal amongst the old horror group. Wouldn't oh. you say there, Dan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to the Amityville Horror uh, soon enough. Um, also Canadian. Also a Canadian. From Yellowknife. Yep. She... Territories. she won a Canadian award for this movie. Did she? What's well, a Canadian movie? The Edgar, I think, award. Hmm. Wait, excuse me, what? A yeah. what award? Let me just... Uh, <laughs> Edgar. Uh, please qualify that an Edgar award means something. Wait, an Edgar? Like E-D-G-A-R? It's like E-T. No, I like it better, Edgar. Like a, like a, like a, <laughs> like a watered-down version of an Oscar. The Edgars. <laughs> <laughs> Best Canadian actress in a Canadian film. <laughs> so it was for an sorry it's an et rog oh best geez. performance by a leading actress lost all credibility and they also won for best sound editing wait a minute feature wait a minute leading actress yeah you think, lead you think actress. barb was the leading role in this movie she wasn't the final girl Mm-mm. 
Oh, uh, Jess Mark is the leading Jenner. actress. Hmm. That's what she got. Yeah. The Hussy. Canadian Film Awards. The Hussy. The Townie. The Whore. Mm-hmm. The Whore. Yeah, that Townie. Um, Whores. Fucking Townie. I was, when I was also just messing around in the uh, special features, I came across an interview with Margot Kidder from like 2004, I think. And they were talking about her experience and how it differed from the movie she did previous to Black Christmas, which was Sisters. And she had this to say. I remember um, Brian De Palma was much more driven, or seemingly so, than Bob Clark. And so it was a more intense experience. But then I was sleeping with the director, so, you know, it's kind of different. <laughs> I was going home with him every night. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who was she getting railed by? De Palma? De Palma. De Palma was railing Kidder? Oh, yeah. You don't think Bob Clark got in on that? <laughs> I don't know what Bob Clark looks like. <laughs> looks like someone's dad. And Nathan, we also have a 100 Lunatics alum sneaking into this movie in about the same role as his other famous horror movie appearance. He recognized him. Aren't you proud? Mm-hmm. Are you, are you talking about John Saxon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we we recognized him, and we didn't know where we recognized him from, so we had to look it up. But, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, 1 is where he is in, and then I think in number 3 they do flashbacks or something like that. I think that's right, yeah. And he's also yeah. in the new Nightmare. Okay. Which yeah. we haven't watched no, he's, yet. He looks uh, very well cast in this movie as a mm-hmm. uh, police detective. He's got um, He's got some nice grit. Yeah, he does. This whole movie has a nice grainy like exorcist style like filming style feel to it it doesn't obviously execute anywhere near or shouldn't be in the same conversation as exorcist but it does have the same sort of like distant grainy slow zoom there's definitely some slow zoom in here for you nathan it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside like a christmas horror movie should exactly it gets the christmas part right and most of the horror stuff right yeah. And the last thing I'm going to say before we can just get right into this is uh, when they made the remake in 2006, Bob Clark actually didn't like it at all. And in 2007, got busy on making a sequel, a proper sequel to Black Christmas and died. <gasps> oh, Really did turn into a Black Christmas then, didn't it? <laughs> sure did. Agnes, it's me, Billy. Ah. <sighs> Now, uh, Nathan, were you expecting something from a movie that takes place at a sorority house? Uh, Are you talking about the lack of nudity? Uh Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it because I was all focused on the Christmas part of this, and I didn't even really register that it was a sorority house. Um... Until until they started afterwards saying that it was a sorority house. Yeah, you know it would have been a nice present. Like it doesn't have it doesn't have beta kappa gamma on the front door. Yeah, it's it does. An, it's an old. Well, if it does, it's not very readable. <laughs> if it, well, at least it comes across like a dormitory. It looks like an old classic, nice stone house with lattice up the side. Like it looks, it doesn't look like a sorority house to me. I don't know what sorority houses look like. I guess, but like this, like houses, like large houses. Like old, beautiful houses made of stone nestled in trees with snow around it in what appears to be like a New England style. Fuck you. This could be a fancy college. We don't know. Mm -hmm. Intern doesn't know shit about 
sorority houses, and he's acting like he's an expert. Yeah, I feel you like he's been, been a nice present, a nice present or a gift that this movie could have given us. What, Drew? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Some nudity. That would have been uh, that would have been nice. I'm willing to bet that the remake has tons of nudity. Uh, there's a lady here. Well, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the remake makes up for the parts of this movie that were lacking, like the blood and the boobs. Yeah, Andrew, don't be sexist. I mean, girls, if I know one thing about horror movies, girls want to see some tits in horror movies, too. Disemboweled, Jeffrey. (laughs) Jeffrey. (laughs) Jeffrey. All right, so it's Christmas time, obviously. Uh, Looks like most of the sorority house is getting ready to leave and go home and visit their families. And there's eventually just a handful left that will be the the characters that we stick with throughout the rest of the movie. And, of course, uh, Mrs. Mack, the house mother. Yeah, what's a house mother? She's like the caretaker of the home, like the the matriarch of the sorority house. Like the person on the mortgage? Like the older sober person. Yeah, she takes care of all the responsible shit of the house Mm. and sort of orders them around a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. And we get to meet um, Jess, our main girl, our slightly British girl. And her lovely boyfriend. Oh, her lovely boyfriend, Peter, the pianist. Uh, Barb, (laughs) which is played by Margot Kidder. Barb, the drunk. Smoking, chain smoking. Babe, look at her. Chain smoking. Yeah, she's she's drunk. a babe, but man, like she opens her mouth and she sounds like a raspy voiced whore. <laughs> a real townie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She sounds like a real townie. She's a fuck. Oh, yeah. No, like she's she's not a townie, but you could. But she sure acts like You one. could dress her up like one. Mm-hmm. And boom, she had townie written all over her. Uh, who's, the, who's one of the other main girls? Uh, Phil. Phil is one of the other main girls. Is that uh, the lady with the glasses? Yeah, mm-hmm. and the curly hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's really familiar. Where is she from? Uh, she pops up in a couple of different things, including the remake. I think she's the only one that pops up in the remake. Um, SCTV. She was a part of that for its... Yeah, oh, SCTV. SCTV. Yes. Yeah. yes, 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 yes. Interspace, Wag the Dog. Interspace? Oh, Interspace. <laughs> I really like Interspace. You know, he works at Safeway. <laughs> Daniel, have you ever seen Interspace? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Totally unrelated. Have you ever seen 3 O'Clock High? Don't think I've seen 3 O'Clock High. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> God, what just happened? <laughs> uh, this is for another podcast. Yeah, and what is it? Barb is talking. Barb gets a phone call from her mom. And is it, mm-hmm. does her mom skip out on spending Christmas with her? And so instead of going home to visit her mother, she's going to go on a ski trip to some cottage that they have. And she invites Jess and Phil, and then she tries to invite Claire, the little virgin girl, and Claire doesn't want to go, and immediately Barb is like, oh, that bitch. Yeah. Is that what that exchange was about? Claire has plans. Yeah, Claire has plans. And Barb takes offense to it, calls her out for being a virgin, and then continues to get hammered drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what Barb does. Barb drinks. And smokes. And smokes. And has promiscuous sex. Yes. Well, she actually doesn't have any sex in this movie, does she? She just talks about and it a lot. And takes over the dirty phone calls and challenges 
Billy. The creep on the other line. Those phone calls actually are kind of creepy. They are. Billy. Hello? Pardon? Who? <laughs> I'll play that for you every show, Nathan. Pardon? Who? <laughs> Who doth thou speak of? But let's get to the first gross phone call, because it happens pretty early in the movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone's making a bunch of noise in the house, getting ready. Jess goes off to take a phone call. Or, she, yeah, she hears the phone ring. She takes the phone and immediately... Let me lick it. Lick it. Lick it. Let me lick your pretty piggy cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, why don't you go find a wall socket and stick your tongue in it? That'll give you a charge. I'll stick my tongue up your pretty pussy. You <laughs> fucking creep. That's the best way to end every phone call. I feel uh, like I want to end every uh, phone call like that. strikes again. Fastest tongue in the West. That was sick. I really don't think you should provoke somebody like that, Barb. Oh, listen, this guy's minor league in the city. I get two of those a day. Maybe. But you know, that town girl was raped a couple of weeks ago. Darling, you can't rape a townie. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> How do you really feel, Barb? <laughs> Well, townies are not, I mean... They're not really people. We looked into it, Daniel, and we uh, perceive townies to be uh, a girl of lower class. Well, that's for sure. Like a step up from a carny, apparently. Like a... Like a <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't smell like cabbage, or do they? <laughs> I don't know. You can't a, rape them, I know that. British, from like a British perspective, it would be like someone who speaks cockney, you know? Just like trash. Trashy. Yeah. Or like Barb, who just speaks cock. Juicy cock. Suck my juicy cock. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think we're going to, moving forward, we're going to try and end our conversations much the way that Billy does. Uh, I'm going to kill you. Click. Yeah. After I'll all that. i my tongue in it. But I tongue in your pussy. Like your pretty pussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This episode <laughs> is going to be unlistenable. Yeah. <laughs> Explicit. Wow. Merry Christmas, everyone. We should preface that this is going to be an R-rated show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll just say, we'll say two things. We'll say, Merry Christmas. And then we'll say, What about the cunt? Yeah. Right. Merry right. Black Christmas. And I actually cut half of that phone call off because it was already such a long clip. The first half of that phone call is even, is actually creepier, is scarier yeah. than that. That part's gross. Is the that before... Margot takes over the phone? That, that's like right as Margot takes over the phone. She's talking into it. Like, you creep? Why don't you stick your tongue in a light socket? Before mm -hmm. that, it's Jess listening on the phone, and it's just a bunch of fucked up noises. Mm -hmm. Like, and screaming, and it sounds like a bunch of different people all at once. You get a yeah. very exorcist sort of vibe listening to that phone call. And right as, as when I heard that, right away I was like, oh, this movie stepped up a little bit. Yeah, Juliet is like yelling into the phone, confused, bewildered, stammerings. 
mm-hmm. while the uh, while the Billy parade happens. Uh, mm-hmm. Intern, you want to give us a little Billy? Billy, just some random Billy. noises. Do some random. <laughs> <laughs> Billy. Yeah, it's kind of the it's kind of the gist. Come on, I mean, like your posse. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good work. Carry on, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, but there's a. Uh, it was actually from pulling clips that I recognized how much I like the score and the sounds and the sound effects that are in this movie. Uh, I don't know what is so cathartic about this sound right here, but this, I love this sound right here. The breathing, not the breathing, just the and the sound guy actually talks about making all these different sound effects for the movie, and it's just him dragging various things across piano wires. Oh, that's cool. So he just sat there and just took tools and different things like clamps and wrenches and forks and all sorts of weird bullshit and just tried to get as many different things that he could out of this one simple piece of an instrument. And I thought that it was very effective. You get the intruder breathing over top of it. You get girls laughing in the background. That whole little three seconds right there creeps me out. Yeah. See, John Carpenter couldn't rip that part off. That's pure Canadian. <laughs> Even it's also though- kind of fitting, too. It sounds a bit like Silent Night. Yeah. And well, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it has a uh, Christmas Christmas-y. Carol flavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost like a, a wind, like a, like a Christmas Carol being carried to you on the wind Aww, in, in the cold nice. snowstorm of cold death (laughs) and we forgot to mention too that the whole reason that that phone call was able to take place was because we get to see this point of view camera angle of an intruder walking up to the house climbing the trellis going into the attic and then climbing down the stairs into a bedroom with a phone in it okay can we talk about the um the mother the house mother the house mother and her drinking her raging alcoholism yeah oh yeah mrs mac yeah, she's, she's got a bottles all over yeah. the place. B for booze. B in the book. <laughs> and in the toilet as well. In the toilet tank, to be specific. That was disgusting. Yeah. She yeah. pulls that tank open, it's full of rust and mold, and she's got a little bottle of liquor dunked in the toilet water, and she pulls it right out and just sticks it in her mouth. Who is for alcohol? Ugh. B for booze. I love I love chubby women that love that get sauced all the time. Those are those are the great the best characters in these kind of movies because she doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, she's the most consistent character in the movie, and that she always has alcohol in every scene. Mm-hmm. Except for one where she pulls it out of her secret stash and it's empty already, and she gets pissed because B. B for Thank you. Now that the killer is already in the house. Claire, who is in her room by herself with a cat, she's going to be the first one that gets it from the killer. And I I didn't enjoy the the plastic being draped in front of her face, but afterwards while she's in the rocking chair or mm-hmm. the chair, it's it looks great. Yeah. Um but the actual death scene looked like there was just a bag hanging in front of her face and not going around yeah. it. No, the, the the kill scene itself wasn't 
that strong, but the artistic rocking back and forth with her with the bag over her head and her open mouth and the cold, open dead, open eyes, very effective. Better than anything in Halloween. Yeah, and it, and it, you can't hear her screaming and freaking out because downstairs Miss Mac is handing out gifts and everyone is screaming and getting giddy. And they keep like cutting back and forth between the two so that you know, how can this girl be attacked like this in the same house? This is how. Because everyone else is fucking noisy. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because Billy knows what's going on. And because of demonic cats. That freaks me out, too. When she's in her room, even though there's nothing really happening, it's just her staring at a closet and the cat's making a bunch of weird noises and there's fucked up piano sounds happening. And she's like, who, who is it? When she, does, <laughs> when she starts to question if someone is in her closet and not just what what is the cat curious about, that little changeover, I'm like, ugh. I like sharpen up a little bit. Yeah, it's weird. It's like this movie you don't really see too much and it's definitely a slow burn but i was never bored and i was always a little bit creeped out yeah this movie manages to creep out more than you would expect it to that was a welcome surprise i was expecting just to be enjoying the 70s but instead i'm actually being affected i'm glad to hear it because i'm not a hard sell to be (laughs) honest i'm I'm a claire's father is a bit of a uptight uh Prissy fellow, though. (laughs) But he hasn't even come into the picture yet. First, after this obscene phone call, we get uh, a phone call between Jess and her boyfriend, Peter. And Peter has been up for days practicing for uh, a concert that he's performing in. Audition. An audition, I guess. Yeah, what, to get into school? To get into an orchestra? They don't say... And she, but she wanted him to show up that night at that party so that she could tell him some very important news. Instead, he's being kind of a dick on the phone. Although, in the end, she's the one that's kind of a dick, right? This is kind of being a dick? I didn't mean to sound short with you. I I guess I'm just exhausted, okay? Yeah, it's okay. I love you. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, I know? Nah, she's over him. She's phasing him out. Yeah, that's what you say to someone that you're... About to break up with. Yep, exactly. Thank you. (laughs) That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. What? I love you. I know. It Uh can be triumphant. (laughs) Is it, though? Isn't it tragic in the end? I think that she doesn't love him. That's what I think. (laughs) I think that they're, they're totally different situations, but I don't think you can ultimately say one way or the other. It's just the delivery of it sounds like she's not sure. She's on the fence about this guy and he's pushy and No, it sounds a, like she's over him. That's a, yeah, it's established very early on that there's uh it's not an equally weighted relationship. There's problems her, in the hen house. Her yeah. sorority sisters guilted her into talking to him in the first place. Yeah. They they came <laughs> up to her and they they're like what what's her character's name again? <laughs> Jess. Jess. Juliet. Juliet, <laughs> Jess. Yeah, this guy's great. He 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 does music. He's you know he's he's a friend of uh, of Paul's. Yeah, they see her as British, like European. So they're like, oh, he plays the piano. He's he's into fancy shit. You'll love him. Yeah, you'll mm-hmm. love him. And she's like, oh, what is his name? What is thy name? Peter. <laughs> thou is thou is Peter. Peter. 
That was Doth give him my phone number. <laughs> Please insert your nip nip into my Fifi. <laughs> what does uh all the girls in the house give Miss Mac a sweater or some weird nurse's jacket <laughs> for Christmas? And yeah. she says this in the mirror when she's looking at it. What is she saying exactly? Jesus, I wouldn't wear this to have my liver on. Jesus Lord, something about having my liver on? Yeah, close. Jesus, I wouldn't wear this to have my liver on. I wouldn't ha- wear More this to have my liver oh, out. I'm- I, I, Jesus, I wouldn't wear this to have my liver out. I think that's what she's saying. <laughs> play it, play it again. Jesus, I wouldn't wear this to have my liver out. I don't know. She's so sweet. She's drunk. I Claire. can't tell. Can we please talk about Claire's father now? Yes, now we can talk about Claire's father. How does he show up? I want I want it noted that when he first, like, he's walking into the schoolyard or something or the university campus... Right when he gets a snowball to the face? Yeah. And we get to meet our... When you are filming a movie in Canada, you have to put Canadian actors in your film, right? Yes. Do you? Yes. If you want certain government subsidies. Yeah. I There's think a that, percentage. And I think, I think I found our first Canadian. Oh, thank you. It's okay. Sorry, I should have been keeping a better watch on it. I think so. Yeah, well, I said I was sorry. Yeah, I said I was sorry. <clears throat> sorry. So, sorry. Sorry. I didn't even pick yeah, up on that. We're not sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> sorry. Our first little Canadian snuck in there. He's right, though. He was kind of being a dick. He was like, oh, let me help you up. I'm trying to watch these kids. I'm really sorry. And he's like, yeah, you should watch them harder. He's like, hey, I said I was sorry. Hey, sorry. American, back off. He said sorry like three times, too. Very <laughs> Canadian. Yeah. Yep, never say it just once. <laughs> That's true. We like to give them in multiples, like orgasms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is he just? He's for coming... anyone looking for a reference, please uh, just go back and listen to the last one hundred lunatics episode, Spin Twenty, uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch Two, where we had a nice special guest, a, a first timer, Brian, who apologized throughout profusely. <laughs> for what? You guys are yeah, ragging right. on him so hard. I didn't really even notice. Because <laughs> he's Canadian. <laughs> See, Drew and I have come to be. Shut your uh, fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Less than apologetic <laughs> over time. It takes time to really weed that out of you, though. Same no. with same with sorry, and same with ab- about. Boop. We don't we don't say about. You, we do. Andrew, you come close about to saying a boot. A boot. I do not. I about. only say a boot on purpose. Boot. I say I about say all about. the time. About. 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 Buddy. Uh, enough of this Canadian nonsense. You guys hey. are all pretty good about it. This is a Canadian a movie. Boot. One will slip out now and again, but for the most part, you guys are pretty good about it. Daniel, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Claire's father shows up looking for his daughter. Who's supposed to meet him. She was supposed to meet him. Doesn't show. Yeah, doesn't show. He goes looking for her. He ends up walking around the sorority with the house mother and... What happens, Daniel? We get a little, yeah, we get a little bit of humor because he obviously hates her. She hates him. They bounce back and forth off of each other as she gets drunk and gives him the finger behind his back. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. <laughs> we also get a cutaway over to is isn't that the same time? Isn't it? Um, aren't they doing like a little Santa thing for all the children? 
Yeah, there's yeah, there is something going down downstairs. Something collaborative. Yeah, they're out somewhere. They have that the big like fat curly headed guy that is Phil's boyfriend uh, playing Santa, uh, the original bad Santa. Ho ho ho! Shit. Santa, please. Look, she's supposed to be going away with me for the weekend. God damn it. Well, we decided that we would go skiing for a few days. Hmm? Yeah, and I've been looking forward to this for three weeks. Bitch. Isn't Santa naughty? Oh, 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 fuck. He, he says all that with little children in his lap. <laughs> I think really it was also that I think Phil's boyfriend is just a scumbag. Like, he came across as a real Morty to me. He's got some crazy hair, doesn't he? He's just sitting there all like fat and sweaty. And he's like, I've been waiting weeks for this, that bitch, that stupid bitch, my girlfriend, that bitch. I'm like, whoa. Ho, 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 fuck. Yeah, whoa. And she's nice, too. Yeah, why don't you get a grip, Mr. Dating Out of My League? (laughs) Yeah. He's a Grinch, it's obvious. (laughs) Well, I don't like him. Anyways, god damn it, Claude, you prick. God damn it, Claude, you little prick. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, no, we actually get to see the boyfriend now, right, Peter, with the piano, and we get we get a better grasp on his douchiness. Yeah, Jess has gone to see Peter and he, to let him know that she's pregnant and doesn't want to keep the baby. Like she wants to have the abortion, and he is reluctant, mm-hmm. to say the least. It's his decision too. Yeah, no, that's what I meant by douchebaggery. He's very douchey. It's not his decision. Since when is the man uh, to have a choice? And he just looks like a douche. Since always, he looks like he could play Superman. That green turtleneck. Yeah. Ugh. He's an artist, though. He looks like a fucking douche. Yeah, He's he gonna be able to support that child. I'm gonna be the president of the anti Peter fan club. He has feelings. I bet, like thirty seconds after she told him that she was pregnant, he's like. Here, I just wrote this song for the baby. (laughs) (laughs) The kind of guy who, like, flicks his wrist when he swings the scarf over his shoulder. (laughs) It's it's a bedtime lullaby, honey. For our baby, his name will be Adam. And how inconsiderate of her to tell him right before his big concert. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Just ruin my night, bitch. She couldn't have waited until he got into the most life-affecting thing of his entire career. Instead, she's like, right before his audition, listen, you got me pregnant, our lives are over forever, but it's okay because I'm going to murder it. You didn't involve (laughs) me in this important decision that affects both of our lives? Yeah. Yet, how, how selfish is that? You're so selfish. I remember that being a big line of his. You're so selfish, finger pointing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of finger pointing that happens. Mm-hmm. He does have that line. It comes way later, but you, you're referring to this. You selfish bitch. <laughs> you're talking about killing our baby as though you were having a wart removed. Yeah. Uh, because that it's... baby is inside of us, not you. That baby is a little wart. Yeah, technically, yeah. It's like a it's a womb wart right now. Mm. <laughs> it's a boil. I just want you to kill that womb wart. Um, Miss Mac and Mr. Harrison, they have gone... Like, they, they thought that they were out. She, they thought Claire was out with the rest of the girls. So they went out to go and look for her. They didn't find her there. They come back. So she, Mr. Harrison has no other choice but to just hang around the house and wait. That's what's happening here, right? 
Oh, and this is when uh, Juliet is getting the little kid drunk. That's right. What? Yeah, That's she right. Get drunk while he's on the phone. Yeah, she's like feeding him champagne. That's or... not Juliet. That's, no, that's not Juliet. No, that, that's Barb. Oh, that's that's Lois Lane. Sorry. Barb has no scruples. None. She is just letting this kid sip on some champagne. Yeah. That should affect you more than the ho, ho, ho. Oh, oh it did because there was a split second where I thought she was going to kiss the boy <laughs> on the mouth. <laughs> They gotta learn young. Like she was getting them liquored up so we'd be looser and more fun. Yeah, that also disturbed me. Yeah. We're watching it with the sound off right now and it's. She's like force feeding him. It's disturbing. Right? Doesn't it? It's wasted. Yeah, Yeah, no audio. It looks like she is uh, a pedophile. Yeah, two more sips and then I'll kiss him. Then I'll leave him alone for a while so he doesn't get scared. Then I'll come back with another drink. She's got this all planned out in her head. She's sick. And that's something that needs to be said here, Daniel, that's not really said very often or at all. But women can also be pedophiles. Sexual predator. They can do that. That oh. is something. I know that pedophile is mainly associated to men, but women are all can also perpetrate. Hey, little kid, I got this van. Want to come in the back? I don't know if they would drive a van. I've got some popsicles. Really? I've got some popsicles. Might have a different plan of attack. Might be a bit more subtle. I think that... Probably due to their extended family. That's probably the least of everyone's concerns. Men can also be whores, but blah, 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 blah. No. No, that's just... No, if if a man has a lot of sex or is promiscuous, then he's just just nailing it. Am I right, intern? Give me a high five. There's no high five. Thank you. Feminine perspective. Boom. Well, it can be in their favor the other way too but then i was sleeping with the director so you know it's kind of different it makes why life would harder that? why would she say that <laughs> it is so trashy and ridiculous almost like she's drunk in the interview she sounds drunk yeah she does she there's a part in the interview where she she like she constantly has trouble putting the cap back on her water bottle and in one and in, <laughs> in one part it just like completely flings off the bottle out of shot and she's just like nah fuck it and puts her bottle on the ground <laughs> So where do they go next when they can't find this chick because she's dead in the attic? Well, don't they uh, go to the police station to discuss the matter? That's what they're doing because she's been gone for a while now. The house mother and the father thought she was off with the girls. The girls thought she was off with her boyfriend. The boyfriend doesn't have any idea where she is. So now they have no other choice but to go to the police, and the police don't really seem to care that much when someone's been missing for like eight hours. Well, Nash doesn't care. Let's let's be specific. Sergeant Nash, he's gonna be our uh, what village idiot mm-hmm. for the movie. I love this finger pointing scene. Barb and Nash go at it with finger pointing. Yeah, he tells her to shut up. Yeah, you shut up. Yeah, you, you shut up. <laughs> 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 Shut up. And does she? Does she crack no. open a beer? Yeah, she cracks open a beer. She's sm- she's drinking a beer and smoking at the police station. Always drinking. Always she's going to be she's going to grow up to become Marco Kidder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, she's playing yeah, she's playing the tortured version of her younger self. Zing, huh? Hilarious. That's pretty good. Andy, you sh- fuck you. Hey, you. Andy, you shut up. <laughs> shut your Fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah. Double clip. Uh, Nathaniel. What? Fucking poison. 
goose. Ugh, I hate that clip. I'm gonna fucking pound you so hard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, intern, you want a lick? Oh, daddy have a little lick. Thanks, Danny and Nathaniel. Ooh, I think we all need to calm down a little bit. <sighs> Much better. I want to lick your pink pussy. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the, the cops aren't going to be much help. Barb is all drunk and hysterical. So they're going to head back to the house and wait and see if Claire might come home or might give them a call. And in the meantime, we get another phone call from Billy. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Oh, hell, not again. Billy! Billy? Oh, I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. What your mother and I must know is... Where did you put the baby, Billy? You've got the wrong number. Where did you put Agnes, Billy? Look, I'm telling you, you have the wrong number. What your mother and I must know is... That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Now, but your mother Juliet, and I must know. Where well, did she put the baby? Juliet takes this escalation and rushes to Claire's boyfriend. Correct? Cor is she not? Uh, yes. Yeah. Who and, is the worst athlete in the history of yeah, film. He's, he's, he's letting in quite a few goals. <laughs> he's, but he's playing hockey, Every guys. Every single shot <laughs> goes in hockey. the net. Hey, guys. Hey, Canadian guys. Only... He's playing hockey, huh? Would you say he has performance issues? Possibly. No, he doesn't have performance issues. Peter. Peter has performance issues. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. He fucked up the What is that noise? <laughs> That's three dates. He didn't three practice days without sleep. For hard enough. Long enough. He's 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 distracted. He's thinking about the child inside of Juliet's belly. He's thinking Juliet's a murderer. Like, is he making the soundtrack to a man who's tripping forever? Like, that doesn't make... At first, I didn't know if he was just making a ton of mistakes in a row or if he was doing some exotic avant-garde piece. Yeah. And just didn't have the oomph that it needed. Because it sounds like if it is supposed to be avant-garde, it sounds like he's doing it right, but he's getting dirty looks. Yeah. No, it's because he's not doing it right. They were like, okay, so you're going to play this guy who can play the piano, but because he does a really bad job, we're not actually going to teach you anything. So just just do your best. Make facial expressions and try to play good. Yeah, yeah. you went, do, do, ee, when you should have gone, ee, mm, ee. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the mistakes were a bit too inherent to be believable but hey i like to watch him fail so he yeah he doesn't just fail he bombs yeah he fails good the judges are not impressed and he is sweating profusely and he's a spaz peter you're a spaz oh, he's wearing that turtleneck i mean it's got to be <laughs> hot his balls in there <laughs> and a, and a jacket but his suit jacket's sweet well a sport jacket it's nice i think they would classify that as a sport jacket okay fine all I know, nice. <laughs> all I know is that after this, we get uh, we get to let another Canadian onto the cast. You're a friend of Claire Harrison? Yeah, I've been taking her out. 
<laughs> Taking her out. Do we really talk like that? Daniel, be careful. You're a friend of Claire Harrison? Yeah, I've been taking her out. I've been taking her out. I feel like I'm watching kids in the hall right now. <laughs> Dan, Dan, stop! No! <laughs> Dan, stop oh, it! My. I don't like what he's doing, isolating these Canadian <laughs> it's good. speech issues. I didn't even <laughs> notice. That's, we that's don't. how I speak. Yeah, that is You can't hear it. Canadian. You can't hear your own accent. We don't have an accent. You have an accent. Stop making fun of us. <laughs> You're a friend of Claire Harrison? Yeah, I've been taking her out. No, now that everyone's back at the house, they have no other choice but to hang out and wait for a little while. Um, Barb is totally liquored. She's like doodling on a cover. Uh, Playboy centerfold? Yeah, centerfold. Yeah, she's kind of drooling a little bit. She's halfway slothed onto a couch. And that's when she turns around and she you know, she talks about the uh, the turtles fucking. Oh, the turtles. That For was three days. Did anyone look into the validity of that fact? No, we just believe Barb. Mm-hmm. We she, believe the alcoholic. Well, no, she said she went and watched them. She, but couldn't, at the zoo. she didn't stay the whole time. She, she didn't said, make that shit up, though. No, she went down there and it was boring to her. Until she got to the zebras. And then she had a moment with the zebras that I'm sure Andrew has with all of his girlfriends. Only take 30 seconds. <laughs> Premature ejaculation. <laughs> Man, poor Claire's father. Just constantly, ever since he showed up here, just constantly subject. He doesn't know what to do. I didn't send his, my daughter here to... No, his his disappointment is, is just, you know, it like plateaus. He's just humming. He mm-hmm. looks like humming. a turtle. Yeah, he does. He probably has sex for three days hey, at a time. don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Don't do that. I love how much control Phil has over Barb, though. Barb just backs the fuck down. She's just like, Barb, you're drunk. Stop it. Go. You're drunk. Yeah. Go to bed. Go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to mimic it. it <laughs> kept happening. Yeah, go to bed. And then I think she fights back a little bit. And she's like, Barb, hello, you're, listen to me. You're drunk. Go away. She just goes away. Then we, then we cut to Peter being a spaz with the piano. Little baby. Yeah, he grabs the mic stand. He goes to town. Like He's little, getting musical. Yeah, and the minute this happens, everyone who watches this movie is like, this guy is volatile. And, you know, I, I automatically said they're going to blame him or he's going to be the suspect. Yeah. I never thought it was him, though. Are we supposed to think it's him? No, but he's... Uh, I think in 1974, maybe. maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's, the, he's the red herring. We're supposed to see how angry he can get, how weirdly obsessed about this child he's become, how he throws a tantrum. And if I see a guitar or something broken in a movie, I'm like, oh, whatever. But when I see a piano destroyed in a movie, I'm like, ooh. It takes effort. Yeah, that's like that's a lot of money you just threw away to have a tantrum, Peter. Guitar thrashings are standard. You can just go buy another one for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, it's not the same thing as destroying a grand piano. Especially when that grand piano doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the school, and you're a baby, and you're selfish. (laughs) (sighs) Peter. 
everyone listens, everyone listens to this podcast just <laughs> <laughs> that's the trigger that sound is the trigger every single time how about another crazy phone call hello hello who is this Jesse to give Sergeant Nash a call and finally tell him about the filthy phone calls they've been getting. And does Sergeant Nash really care at all? He's a caring man. Mm. No. Nash no. makes these implications like it's everyone else's like like it it it's their own fault all the time. You know, like, it's like Christmas. It's probably one of your boyfriends. Yeah, one, yeah, one of your boyfriends, I think was the words. Mm-hmm. Also in this era, don't you feel like they'd just be like, Can't you humor him? Talk a little dirty in the phone back to him. It's all he wants. <laughs> Quit being a prude, bitch. Right. But listening to it and hearing what's going on on the phone, there's something wrong with this fellow. I mean, at first it sounds like he's just aggressively masturbating and being disgusting, and then it gets creepy. It gets weird and like, okay, there's something psychologically disconnected in this guy's brain. Yeah. I even have the phone calls that I took clips from labeled in that progression that go from perverted to creepy to um, confessional. And you, through each of these phone calls, uh, we get a little piece of what it is that seems to be bothering this intruder called Billy. And it's kind of hard to hear and it's kind of hard to keep track of. But what it sounds like, at least what I was piecing together when I was watching this, it sounds like Billy had a younger sister named Agnes he may have done something disturbing or perverted with her, and he was desperate to keep it a secret, and in doing so, ended up killing his younger sister, and then his parents found out about it. Is that what you guys gathered? Y- yeah. Yep, that sounds Absolutely. good. Absolutely, yeah. When we listen to all of the voice mm-hmm. uh, re- recordings on the phone over and over again and dissected this, that's basically what we came up with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are you transplanting the whole Halloween um, lineage or backstory like onto this? No, that that's actually what's being said. The, the phone calls, in effect, are Billy, this intruder, playing the voices of his parents, discovering that he's done something disturbing to his younger sister. Because the voices keep saying, Billy, where is she? What have you done with Agnes? We need to know what you did, Billy. And they're freaking out. And he sings a little lullaby on the phone. Daniel. Daniel, you need to do this all over again. The phone calls go like this. Billy, what did you do with Agnes? Mm-hmm. Billy. Please reenact all yeah. of them. Uh, every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be you. You know what he says. I have no idea. There's a creepy one where he calls and just sings like a little jingle or a little like lullaby thing. And the lullaby sounds like it's his dad talking to his mom 
telling her to go get a blanket so they can wrap up his sister's bloody body. That sounds like fun. I wish I could have heard them all. So there is... This is all educational to me right now. I didn't read into or listen to these phone calls that much. We just watched it for the first time today. And basically, what we're taking away was that he was just crazy. And that we weren't really looking for details in the garbled mess that is these phone calls. It was pretty unintelligible. Yeah. However, your Mm -hmm. feedback is very insightful. Um, I would like to talk about whether or not... Is is his name Billy? Yes. Mm -hmm. Did Billy bring the cat up to the attic with him? Or did the cat scale that ladder? It's a good question. Because Miss Mac goes looking for that cat in the attic, and as she's climbing the ladder, she goes, I don't even know how you'd get up here. So, yeah, maybe he did take her up there to use her as a lure, because he just throws that hook into Miss Mac's face when she comes up in the attic to look for her. All I wanted was to see that happen. That's all I wanted. That hook to the face? Yeah, but it didn't happen. No, that's not the tone of this movie. We're not going to see much, if any, gore at all in this movie, actually. Yeah, none. Uh, John Saxon back at the, you know, Lieutenant Fuller back at the police station. Once he's heard offhand from Sergeant Nash that there's these obscene phone calls happening at this house, he puts together that it's the same house, that there's this girl that's been reported missing from. He berates Sergeant Nash for being an idiot, not putting two and two together. And immediately they're involved in this case. And they're going to bring everybody in the neighborhood out in the middle of the night to comb the grounds looking for her. And as they're looking for her, what do they find instead? I don't know. It would have been a perfect time to reveal this. A dead child. Right. That mm-hmm. came out later, though. Well, this that, that's happening during this combing. And a murdered animal present in the coat that Claire's boyfriend is wearing. <laughs> yeah. You like his coat? Yeah, there's more than one murder that's taken place, is my point. Oh, there's multiple <laughs> murders involved in that coat. Continue. No, but they, they find a dead girl. This part, sort of strange to me. I'm not sure if they're trying to let us know that Billy has murdered a young girl on his way to the sorority house. Or if this girl is related to some other subplot that I wasn't paying attention to. Or I'm not really quite sure. I know why they throw Peter in the movie to be a red herring. It's so that, suspicion for Peter again. Is it? He was on his way. Oh, I thought it was just so circumstantial. it could have been him. Or maybe that's why he's been up for three days and he can't get his recital right, is because he was having this affair with this high school girl and then murdered her in a field. Mm, He was the one that was sleeping around. I bet Billy had nothing to do with this girl and it was actually Peter. Yeah, I don't think Billy left the attic. No, once he was in there, he was snug and tight. He just wanted to stay up there and watch that girl rock back and forth in the chair. Yeah, give her a little dolly, a little push. He's very comfortable. He wasn't up there for that long. Okay. I'm sure he's just pissing on anything. Yeah. <laughs> Does Billy give a fuck about anything? No. He's probably just smearing shit on his face while he makes these phone calls. He cares about Agnes. Oh, that's really vulgar. Hold on. All right. Breathing the most soothing part about that. <laughs> Andrew? You're drunk. Go to bed. Andy, shut up. Um, when do we start tracing the phone call? Afterwards. That's got to be coming up pretty soon, right? 
Yeah, right after that conversation, I well, think. Seems like it was a lot more difficult to trace phone calls back in the day. When you had to run down aisles. Oh, absolutely, yeah. When you had to, like, I don't, what was it, what were they doing in those scenes? Were they following trails of light? I, yeah, it seemed a little strange. With, like, different little... <laughs> Little gadgets start blinking in rows like, oh, we're slowly following the trace. It's down aisle A1. Yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't even, it didn't even look like a switchboard. It had like hooks. There was hooks. Mm-hmm. Hooks and panels. Yeah, this movie taught me that I had, I have no idea how a phone company ran in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. No idea. There's, there's things I, they do in this movie I didn't know that you could do. You flip a switch and you take a little cable out and then plug it in. I bet you my mom would be able to tell us because she used to work mm-hmm. as an operator, as a no telephone way. operator. Yeah, she, back, way back. Well, she could. There's there's two parts I didn't understand in this movie. One was when Barb is talking to the cops when they first go to the police station. She's being kind of, a, um, I don't know, snarky by telling Sergeant Nash the new exchange code for her phone <laughs> number was fellatio for F-E. And that was a whole little bit they did about him not understanding what the word fellatio means. But I have no idea what you needing a call number exchange at the beginning of your phone number means that completely confused me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get the joke. It's a new exchange. Instead of it being like an area code. You have an exchange. Letters. Uh, six, seven, eight. It would be uh, F-E for fellatio. Yeah, okay. So okay, that's, that makes sense. Then the second was that if you can't... Wait, wait, is Andrew, are you actually... Do you know this? No. Or are you just... No, I'm just making shit he up. He doesn't know shit. That's a good guess, though. Saying that. A predecessor to the area code? That makes sense. Okay, Daniel. I like it. I just wanted it to be known that it's not factual. <laughs> right. He's yeah, full of shit. But the other phone thing I didn't get was that if you're talking to someone on the phone and you can't hear them, you can just click over to the operator and have her turn it up for you? I mentioned that, too. That sounds yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah, the operators actually used to have to listen to the whole phone call, so... That's so crazy. No, they don't have to listen to the whole phone call. What are you getting this stuff from? You can. I think you just <laughs> click the receiver to include the operator or ask them for help, right? They're just you, sitting there on the edge of their seat just waiting in case they get called upon? Well, yeah, you, you, you click the receiver to involve them or you click some sort of, you push a number or whatever, rotary and number. You know what? Fuck you guys. <laughs> I don't think any of us understands how phones worked in the 70s. Yeah, but things were different then. There were actual switches that people used. Right, and go back even further, and you got that weird phone without a rotary at all. You just Mm -hmm. you picked it up, and you went... Yeah, and then they'd be like, connect me with this person. Yeah, and everything went through the operator. The operator did everything. Run a wire. Yeah. They get out of the cable. I think in this case, they're they're just clicking the receiver to say, oh, hey, operator, I need you to help me out with this one part. Exchange code or whatever it might be. Okay, moving yeah. on. We Bill just, Kensington, like, please. Uh, phone number one nine. Okay, anybody out there that knows all about the how, how phones used to work in the 70s and how the operator was related, what functions they performed, please send an email to 100lunatics at gmail.com. Yeah, put it in a compare-contrast essay format. Yeah. <laughs> 1,500 words or less. I yeah. prefer Venn diagrams. Yeah, include some charts and Venn diagrams. And, like uh, bullet points. I like, I like bullet points. Send it to 100lunatics at gmail.com, but address it to the intern. I will review <laughs> this and post it online and tell you that I don't care. If you if you want to be less formal, you could say, Dear Andy, or Hi Drew, comma. You and can the, just put, uh, fuck. 
No, no. In, in the subject line, you're going to want to include. Oh, daddy have a little lick. <laughs> I'll get on that right away. <laughs> All right. So, yes, tracing their phone calls. They put a little thing inside the phone call in the house or the phone in the house. They put uh, a phone at John Saxon's desk at the police station that will ring at the same time the phone at the house rings. Did you guys catch how quickly John Saxon did not give a shit that there was another phone in the house on a different line? They're like, there's another phone in the house. He's like, yeah, yeah. They didn't complain about that at all, so don't worry about it. That plays right into the whole lazy cop scenario we've been talking about. <laughs> uh, concentrate all the right. efforts on what's known, not what's un uh, unknown. Yeah, but... It could be a bureaucracy. Isn't it easy to work? automatically assume... I mean, we're acting like know-it-alls here because we know that the guy's inside the house. But put yourself in their shoes for a minute. Wouldn't you jump to the conclusion that he's not inside the house? Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, I'm sure it's a bureaucratic nightmare. The work but, it must have taken to get one phone tapped. He's like, I'm not going through that bullshit again. Now, they know that he's just been calling this one number, though. So why wouldn't you just take care of the one number? Isn't and, it the same number for both? And the missing girl is where the hypocrisy and the issues come in. Hi, we like to report a missing person. Okay, well, let's go and talk to you and interview you and check out the house and investigate the house the house for clues of where she may have gone or what might have happened that never happened and that's where the sloppiness came in in regards to the phone call issue only yes it's reasonable to assume the phone calls would be coming from outside the house why would you think otherwise and yeah in, the, in that effect you would not think automatically that the phone calls are coming from inside the house just that you would tap every phone coming into the house available just in case they were getting phone calls on all of them not because you thought the person was in there also well daniel none of us none of us on this side of the podcast realized or even recognized that anyone said anything about a second line no we i remember her saying that oh i'm okay. sorry <laughs> <laughs> you okay. should be okay all right thank you chelsea i didn't hear anything about a second line ignorant. and i didn't realize that there was yeah a if you could stop putting words point. in everyone's mouth i do think though that i just assumed that the number was the same oh. like landlines work the same now that they did then oh no when you had two lines in your house they had different phone numbers i'm sorry no, no. i'm not talking about two lines i'm talking about two phones oh yeah they had they had two lines that's why he was like oh it's a separate oh. line entirely that's what i was talking about was that none of us knew there was two lines. No, I thought it was one line. Yeah, one oh. line, two phones. That's, oh, no. I didn't think that. You, you thought there was two lines? Yeah, because that's what he said. Okay, well, we, were, we almost had three for three. Oh, my <laughs> God. It started out three for so three. It dialed back to one. Yes, I agree. Yeah. The police should have tapped both. That's Six, insane. 66% of us didn't realize that that comment had been made. So the police officer comes to the house, taps one of the lines. Eh, the other line is not important. Yep. Did, they, did they call? Did the did the guy call the other line? Again, think about it from no. think about it from the assumption that the calls are coming from outside the house. Why would you care about the secondary line if it wasn't the one being pranked or being called? You wouldn't. Right. You wouldn't. Exactly. Fair enough. But also, even like let alone the cops not searching the entire house. Like when I this lose same person thing. That's. That's if you're the, one of the girls, the sorority members, you think you would have checked the house. Yeah, if I can't find my keys, 
Like I'll search in all the places you'd normally lose your shit, and then after an hour of not finding my keys, I'm looking like behind the entertainment unit. I'm moving furniture around. I'm going into closets I haven't been in in two years. That's for my keys. For a person, yeah, can... surely they would have checked the attic, right? Maybe the cat took my keys upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one seems worried that they haven't seen this cat. God damn it, Claude, you little prick! Wow. Yeah, and House Mother has also been missing now. Yeah, no you one cares about her, I... though. No, she indicated she was going somewhere. She was leaving, yeah. Right. So that's very... That's fine. That okay. can be rationalized very easily. This yeah, police officer, sister. though, he starts accusing this version of being a townie. Well, she's... Hey... Barb went with them on the initial visit. And we I'm all sure, know about Barb. I'm sure he's transplanting Barb's presentation of herself on the entire sorority house. Oh, Barb, which is to walk from room to room with a cigarette and a drink in her hand and then... And just like feed alcohol to children. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The whole pedophile angle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're all the same, those fucking bitches. <laughs> God damn. If you have alcohol, it's getting force fed to somebody. Yeah. And does anyone else picture Peter in his turtleneck? Like putting on some putting on some tight pants? Like some like some yoga style pants. Ooh, like real tight, yeah. And like kind of doing ballet moves throughout the forest. Lululemon. In the snow. So, oh. I made this song for our child. <laughs> yeah. Now check out this dance I yeah. made. Almost, dance. Yeah, almost like he gets out his, his aggression like Kevin Bacon in... Uh, Flashdance? In fla what? What? What did you just say? <laughs> what did I Kevin, just say? Kevin Bacon in Flashdance? Yeah. Is that what you just said? Not yeah. quite. Not quite. Yeah. Try again. It's a fail. Try again. It's gone. No, try again. No. It's not he happening. He doesn't know. I'm asking He doesn't know it's Footloose. Yeah, Footloose. There he we go. He doesn't know. There it is. <laughs> it's, like, it's like he's getting out his aggression. <laughs> Like Kevin Bacon and Footloose. He is. Like, no, like it's like a amongst the trees and the snow. I love flora and fauna. No, it's like a hard cut to Jess's face and then her stomach and then the, like an abortion clinic and then a cut to him pirouetting and crying. <laughs> 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 no, instead he just stands creepily outside the house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the truth. I need a hero. <laughs> Just rolls a piano up to her house and starts bashing it. <laughs> I never need a fucking microphone anyway. I'm just going to use the microphone bass to smash this fucking piano. Cut to Peter in the attic playing Moonlight Sonata with <laughs> tears streaming down his face. <laughs> this is going to be our child song. Yeah. Uh, the house mother's up. in the background with a hook in her face. <laughs> Yeah, she's just up there. How many are dead now? Let's take a little recap of who's dead. So, Claire's dead, mm -hmm. suffocated with a bag. Uh, Mrs. Mack is dead, hooked and brought up into the ceiling mm -hmm. or into the attic. Um, it's a baby that's dead. Well, a baby that's going to be dead. It's going to. But that's yeah. not his fault. But they found a Nash kid. is also going to be a killed. Kid. Oh, a kid. It's not a baby. It's a kid. So there's a kid there's and there's a... the coat. Nash is going to get it as well. There's a kid dead. There's the detective that's stationed outside their house. His throat is slit. Yeah, how did that right. happen? Yeah, Chelsea thought that uh, that cop was someone completely different. Yeah. It yeah. looked like he, um, it looked like it was uh, like a garret that was used. A garret? Hmm? What? Yeah. Did Peter cut his throat? 
What's a garret? Hmm? Somebody cut his throat. I'm, I, I don't imagine this creep show climbing <laughs> down that um, trellis. Sure. Yeah, no, Peter killed that cop. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Peter's a fucking killer. He was out there doing his pirouettes. Yeah, he was out there <laughs> he was being creepy. Pirouetting after murder. How is he going to get near the house with that cop there? Just dragging the knife back and forth like it's my decision too. So when does what's her nuts die? Lois. Lois? That's, mm. yeah, that's, that's right about here. Because the thing about this movie is that everyone just goes to bed. Like, when everyone gets too stressed out or too upset, they just go to bed. Is that an old-timey thing? Or drunk. Or, yeah, or drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Barb was instructed to go to bed. Yeah, but... And then she has some, some weird episode with yeah, asthma. having an asthma attack. Out of, out of nowhere. And taking this puffer really weirdly. Well, they don't tell you anything about... Anything about... About... <laughs> <laughs> about... I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, they don't. They don't inform you regarding her asthma issues or her respiratory problems. Yeah, this comes out of the blue. It comes out of the blue. It's like, hey, this alcoholic, chain smoking, whore, townie. Townie. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Has respiratory problems. Apparently, wakes up in the middle of the night having panic attack, respiratory asthma attacks, mm-hmm. and um, Juliet needs to run to her side. And make sure that she recovers from them. And it, it almost feels like it's something that's happened before. Like, it ain't no thing. Like, oh, okay, she's okay. Because Juliet leaves that whole experience with a, okay, everything's fine now. Meaning that, or implying that it's familiar. Yeah, it's even creepier because I think she woke up and saw Billy actually standing there. And then he ducked off into the darkness. She goes into an asthma attack. And then Jess is in there helping her out while Billy is hiding in the room somewhere still. Mm-hmm. And then the most terrifying part of this whole movie happens. Are you talking about when he murders her with the unicorn? No. Oh. The children. The children singing <gasps> Christmas carols. In beautiful, in like perfect pitch and harmony. Those little kids were nailing it. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. This was such a cool part of the movie. I really wanted Billy to come and fucking kill them all. Okay. This is the most Christmas Jesus. part of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, they're singing carols. It's like a momentary break from the madness that's been going on. She enjoys it for a second at the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do While you have to be soulless, Andrew? My heart s- is black. Your aggression is yeah. putting me off. Where's, where's like, the Christmas? Where's the Christmas, Andrew? It would have been a nice present. Yeah. Uh, some nudity See? and death of children. Well, that's the difference. See, in a Canadian horror movie, they're they're like we only wear parkas, no nudity. Sorry. Let's bring the Christmas. Instead of this other debauchery, instead of uh, killing people with yeah. uh, graphic, Andrew, yep. do you need the calm down noise? <laughs> there we go. Danny. You know what, Daniel? Danny. I'm going to be honest with you. I judged you earlier for bringing up that sound clip and obsessing about the music but now it's so relaxing if you played that thing over and over again i would fall asleep right now <laughs> that's what i mean it's great and while these children are singing downstairs caroling if you will unicorn happiness that's right billy is upstairs much like andy from shawshank redemption waiting <laughs> for the thunder to slam the rock against the pipe he is stabbing Barb with a crystal unicorn 
under the mask of the children singing. This is the most creative. This is the prettiest uh, tribute to the title of this movie because it, you know, she opens the door, Juliet opens the door to the carolers and it's the Christmas and it's so full in its Christmas presentation. And then yes, the stabbing, the unicorn, yeah, whatever you said, intern, the stabbing occurs mm-hmm. and, it, and it starts to, you know, montage interlace those two moments. They were like, we're not going to show any death yeah. clearly, it, it brings but the, this one shows silhouetted. It brings the horror into the Christmas and it blends them together. And it, you know, you could, you could make an argument that that one scene is the, is the reason for its title. Is the, the fulcrum? A fulcrum. Yeah, that's what was coming out of my mouth. <laughs> it is probably the most artistic directed moment in this movie. I, w- I would agree with that. It's very, very pretty. It's very gruesome. You feel the impact every time he brings the unicorn down. How do you guys feel about the wild eye? Ooh, when he stares at her through the creak of the, uh, the crack of the door. Excellent lighting. Mm-hmm. I think this was my favorite kill because it was something happened. Oh right, yeah. You actually got to see a little bit of a little bit of blood, a little bit of action. Mm-hmm. Reminded me of Basic Instinct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you killed I get it. it with an ice pick. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. The only thing that's missing is the boobs. And we're basically going to just stack another body in there because Phil is stressed out and tired and wants to go to bed. And when she goes to bed, she decides to check up on Barb and gets abducted by Billy. It's okay. Phil was a bit of a bummer. A little bit. She's just uh, too straight edge. And she has terrible taste in men. Yeah. Ooh, absolutely. Time to go. Oh, ho, 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 fuck. Oh, God, that sloppy bastard. Yeah, so she's snuck in there. She's done. She's going to get stacked on top, and that whole time we're doing this trying to trace the phone call situation that's providing some sort of background noise for the movie. And what I love is that John Saxon constantly has to call Jess and be like, listen, I get that you're terrified and you might die, but I'm going to need you to fucking keep him on the phone. (laughs) He keeps berating her. He does it like three times before they finally manage to nail it down. And every time she's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe uh, I'll just, uh, yeah, maybe if I tell him to call me cunt a few more times or I don't know how you want me to do this <laughs> just no yeah, concern I don't know it feels like she doesn't try very hard she never says anything when he calls her nothing no hello every other time yeah she was like leave me alone what do you want why are you doing this yeah and this time she's just silent if but, he's talking hey. I don't need to say anything right I'll just wait till he hangs up. They get it done. They get the job done eventually. She screams into the phone too often. It bothers me. Her phone etiquette needs work. She doesn't Mm -hmm. know how a telephone works? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's a foreign (laughs) device or something. (laughs) What is this thing? Hello. Holds it out in front of her face. There's And they they toss a couple more red herrings in here as well. They have uh, Billy on the phone um, saying something that he overheard in the conversation between her and Peter. We have that scene where they have Peter coming down the stairs inside of the house behind Jess right as she's done getting a lewd phone call. So there's a couple of different times in this movie where they keep trying to make you think that it could be Peter. Where's Peter now? He's breaking the piano. Oh, my God, he's a psychopath. So I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that's the, the vibe this movie is going for in 1974. As an audience, 
remember in 1974 watching this, you're going, is it this random psycho or is it Peter, right? It's got to be Peter, man. He's totally like crazy, dude. I don't. Well, Jess, Jess definitely thinks, I think after, I think at this point, Jess thinks that it's Peter, right? Well, all these red herrings that you're talking about, Daniel, uh, bring up one of the more entertaining negative reviews that I read about Black Christmas uh, from the New York Times. They say, uh, a whodunit that begs the question of why it was made. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> they do try to send you a bunch of curveballs here at the end, and... Um, I don't agree with the New York Times, obviously. I think that it's just, yeah, trying to confuse you as much as possible so that the climax of the movie has more impact, right? Yeah, and I would say that it definitely works in giving the climax more impact, at least making the climax more disturbing and sort of well, full of also, despair. Yeah, and it also leads to Nash's failure, right? There's too much information hitting Juliet with the you know details that Billy's saying into the phone that you know was information from a conversation she had specifically that you know a cop calling her and telling her walk out of the house is is not good enough she needs further explanation yeah and he, and he fucks well, that up once they find out that the calls are coming from inside the house saxon tells nash to tell her to just leave the house and you know no matter what you do don't tell her that the phone the phone calls are coming from inside the house just tell her to get out and go somewhere safe and he fucks it up yeah he could have tried a lot harder but he went from just drop the phone and walk out, and she was like, that's not good enough. He said, okay, fine. He's in the house. <laughs> I'll just tell you everything I'm not supposed to yeah. tell you. Yeah. I know that you're a better detective than I am, but I know you're going to be curious. Just don't be and get out of the fucking house. And I'm sure every everyone in 1974 that was impacted and engaged by this was probably in that moment a lot more than us was like, no, just get out. Just go, like yelling at the screen or... Just, mm -hmm. just feeling the anxiety of that and saying, why are you doing this? Just leave. Just do what they said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, to be fair, she was yeah. going to go check on her friend, so she was going to fuck it up either way. So he just got desperate and blurted it out. Regardless, she just goes up and checks on her friends, finds them both stacked dead over top of each other on the bed. That's when you leave. That's when you leave. That's when she gets the breathing and the piercing gaze through the crack of the door. And mm -hmm. actually, even though... You know, there are all these different scenes in Halloween where he's grabbing at people and coming through the closet and shit. This one part where he runs after her down the stairs and grabs her hair through the banister. Yeah. That like that that one little part got me more than all the other scenes from like the movie Halloween. And I'm not, I'm not trying to trash on Halloween. I'm just saying how strange I'm I'm finding it that this one particular hair grab. I was like. Huh! When yeah, that was the best part. I, I actually shouted out, by the hair. Yeah, by the hair. <laughs> yeah. It's like very effective. He doesn't really do anything other than that. He chases her, and she locks herself in the basement. He bangs against the door, and that's really the only running after anyone that Billy does in this entire movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's not much. Oh. That front door got troped hardcore. Yeah. Getting left oh, open all the time. Oh, you can't even latch it. <laughs> I knew you were going to be bothered by that. <laughs> yeah. Let alone lock it. Yeah, I was wondering when you were going to bring it up. I was like, oh, they're leaving the door open. Nathan's going to be pissed. Yeah, that <laughs> door is never. They even go out of their way to say, this is the only door that locks at, at the back door. <laughs> right? And then when the moment comes where she's just, all she's got to do is exit 
through this door that is never locked and usually never latched, it's, it won't open. <laughs> yeah. And redirects her to the basement in trophy fashion. And then she slides that, you know, bathroom stall locking device across. Oh, so they yeah. were irrationally upset about Such this. Such a great deadbolt. Can't kick through that thing. Yeah. This screaming from this Billy sociopath psycho on the other side, and he's barely moving that door. Like, it's just, <laughs> you know. I think that... It's like a little centi- child. Centimeters of movement. That they underestimate how difficult it is to kick a door in. Yeah, especially an old, heavy 1970s basement door. Old then the door, door that's like rusting off the hinges already. Okay, well then the door frame is doing all the work, and that little bullshit lock is doing nothing. It is... Peter, if Peter isn't the killer, he definitely has some really bad timing and a weird way of approaching someone that's scared, right? Yeah. What? I just, I, li- I love when, you know, someone tells me that they're, they're going to kill my child. Um, when I go to see if they're okay, I just like to break into the basement. <laughs> I'm smashing window. a window. That's kosher, right? Like, that's normal. That shit bothers me. Because a normal human being would be like, hey, that shit costs money. Not only does it right? cost money, you couldn't fix it. Hey, yeah. hey, if I said to you, Daniel, I broke a window. Let, let's say you and I lived together, and I said, oh, shit, I broke the window. You know, in, in the second bedroom, I broke the window. Yeah. Can you go to Home Depot, get some window, <laughs> and fix that window? Okay. No. You'd have to call somebody. He doesn't even live there. A professional person that knows how to fix windows and replace window glass. He doesn't even have a job it's anymore. It's a big thing. Before yeah. you just like punch. He, he already smashed a piano, so I don't know yeah. why this matters. Okay, well, yeah, Peter's pretty ignorant, motherfucker. He's being a real creepy bastard. He's only got one <laughs> thought in mind, and no one knows what it is. Yeah, it is. He wants it's, to save his baby. Yeah. He's got to break in to save the baby. It's his unborn child that's driving him to fail at piano recitals and break windows. To he's fail at life. He's derailed emotionally and mentally. He doesn't know what's going on. Can't handle this. He had to go get his. He had to go shake off all this frustration in the forest. We already talked about that. Right. Why didn't you answer me? When I said what? Jess, why didn't you answer me? Yeah, I was calling you, Jess. Because <laughs> you're fucking creepy. I'll make this as painless for you as possible, Jess. And what are you supposed to think? She just had someone trying to burst through the basement door. Now magically, there's a guy kicking in a window to the basement, trying to come at her from the other angle. She has no other option but to attack him. Stab him with that fire pick. Mm-hmm. And that's how the that's how the cops find her. Yeah. Yeah, she stabbed him and then herself. It looked like she was dead, but she's yeah. still alive, but she has murdered Peter. <laughs> they could show us more of these kill scenes. They could. Right, like a bit more. They could, they could yeah. Show us yeah. Some more. I, I I get that they wanted to go. That they didn't want that to be the focus. But yeah, we could have gotten a little bit more. I agree. Well, it makes me think that it was made for network television. And maybe they would have pushed it further if. Well, you're dealing with Canadian censorship here. So we don't really know how that differs from U.S. censorship in the 70s and how severe and what what was driving their decision making. Don't really know. But in any event. Anyway, they whisk her off to the hospital. And drug her up? What happens to her? Actually, not even in the hospital. She's in the bedroom at the house. Mm -hmm. They bring a doctor to her. So should we uh, check the attic? Nah. She's a a murderer, hey? Like, she just murdered Peter? Oh, yeah. No one's putting handcuffs on her? No, because they... they, 
they they also think that Peter was the murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no one's mentioning the fact that her necklace is the same necklace she wore in Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Ooh, is that a little callback, a little Easter egg? Guaranteed. But it, yeah, it's a it's a clean you know shut case to the cops. Peter is the creepy dude. He broke a bunch of shit. He scared some people. He could possibly be tied to this dead girl in the park. We don't know. Either way, he came into the basement trying to attack Jess. Jess killed him. Case closed. Woman defending herself. No reason to go bother the courts about it. <laughs> all they do is leave one. They leave everyone files out of the house because, you know, they've all done their jobs. They've documented whatever they had to document. The doctor has sedated Jess, so she's got nothing to do but lay around. And the father of Claire has passed out from all the stress of not knowing where his daughter is because they still don't know where she is. Mm-hmm. So they take him off to the hospital or to get some fresh air. Everyone's filed out of the house. And I guess the like CSI guys are going to come in an hour or so to come collect some evidence. So she's left in there all by herself. And as the camera pans out of the house and we see the cops standing out front, uh, there's a there's a piece right before John Saxon leaves where he mentions that the killer made a phone call after every time he killed someone. And so as we were getting... Right about before the credits come and then you hear the phone start ringing in the house. I assume we're supposed to believe that he just murdered Jess and is now making his phone call. Mm, Nice. Okay, I get it. That makes sense. No, I like the way the movie ended. I like the whole phone call going out business. Because it just, the phone rings and the credits roll up and the phone just keeps ringing. I like that. Yeah, the cop even turns around and looks at the house and thinks about answering it and then it's like, nah. (laughs) <laughs> I did my job. We're good. They ain't paying me to stand inside the house. It's 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 a very dark or disturbing kind of ending to me because now she has killed the wrong person, her own boyfriend. The cops have no idea that half the people are dead or missing still. And in the end, the killer comes and gets the final girl. And not only does he kill her, but he kills her and her unborn child. Mm-hmm. And then we just get whisked away. I was hoping to, to a little bit of Christmas music, but the credits are actually silent and all you hear is the phone, which is in its own way very creepy. I like the phone ringing, but I hear what you're saying. You could have played that. Um, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. No, you could have played the music that Daniel has been calming us with. Oh, in the to background. make you fall asleep in the theater? With, with the ringing. Yeah. <laughs> play, it, play it again, Daniel. It's actually giving me a fair amount of anxiety right now. <laughs> you start to associate it with death. <laughs> I can't fall asleep, not now. can't escape it. Can't Daniel, stop playing the music. No. All right, so movie's over, all said and done. None of us had seen it before. All of us newcomers. Mm-hmm. Where are we ranking this? And instead of just blurting it out, I want to try to determine something first. Are we going positive or negative on this? I was just thinking that. Because I I took a long time thinking about how I felt about this movie. And when I broke it down into little bits and pieces, I had a lot of positive things to say. And when I looked at it in its entirety, I had a lot of positive things to say. Oh, yeah. So one of the things with the positive and negative scale is that when it gets negative, it's usually because things are over the top. Right, or they have failed some in some sort of way. Yeah, they, they failed, or it's over the top, they missed the mark, or it's just... 
but not even because they can still hit the mark but it just needs to be in like a a goofy over the top way yeah some a lot of a self-awareness going on when we come across movies like that and this movie i don't it's not trying to be over the top it's not trying to take advantage of tropes in fact it's creating a whole lot of brand new ones and bridging mm-hmm. different genres together and i heard someone mention that this movie bridged the gap that that that, that the modern slasher film is the dumbed down entertainment version of the whodunit mystery from the 50s and that this movie is like a perfect little bridge of that to the other it's not as dumb as slasher movies yet it's created the entire format that slasher movies revolve around now and it's not as intelligent as a true whodunit mystery but there's enough of it there to be better than its counterpart so it's this nice little bubble of newness that formed from one thing and moved into another thing so you're leaning positive. I'm, I think I'm definitely leaning positive on this. In fact, if I'm going to come out right now and say it, I think I'm going a plus two on this. Yeah, it was definitely a two one way or the other. It was good. It was surprisingly good. Oh, my God. Hello? 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 Is this Andrew? Yes. This Andrew, is what's me. your rating for this? My rating for this would be a plus one. Me too. Aww. It's not a two either way. It's a one either way. If they took out the first person POV, it would be much closer to a two, but that's Even ruining then. things. Even then. This is, uh, let's, let's stop throwing confetti when horror movies manage to competently cross the finish line. Shall we? <laughs> oh! It did things, and people copied it. But I liked it. That's fine. It's your choice to rate it whatever you want. I'd recommend it. That's fine. That's your choice. (laughs) I'm giving it a plus one because I don't think movies need to be celebrated just because. Okay? It executed well enough to, to escape the negative scale, and that in itself should be something that puts a medal around the neck of a horror movie. Thank you. At I Hate Horror. Peace. <laughs> I'm really happy that it uh, won two Canadian awards. Yeah, was, what about supporting uh, our country? Hey, 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 it was nominated for an Edgar. Yeah. It was nominated for an Edgar as well. The Edgar Allan Poe Award. It did and win. Speaking very quickly to Chelsea's attack on my nationality, patriotism. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, let's let's have a weekend and watch nothing but Canadian movies. You can watch Porky's next. And we'll see how you feel after. Yeah, the duology. I you think won't be handing out plus twos, I'll tell you that. Well, I might be handing it out for this one if it's better than all the ones you're going to show me. That's fine. I don't understand why we have to argue. I'm fine with you giving it a plus two. That's your decision. I'm giving it a plus one and saying a bunch of things arguing. that are designed to make you feel bad about giving it a plus two. (laughs) Nathan's an asshole. (laughs) Thanks, Dick. All right, so plus one from Nathan, plus one from Andrew. Andrew, I'm I'm happy to see you on on this side of the scale. I wasn't sure how you were going to go. You've been pretty pretty upset about the last few movies we've watched. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Couple zeros in a row? Yeah. Yeah, handing out plus twos to movies that don't deserve them as well. This, Recently, we'll save that for another podcast. That's fine. It's not related to horror. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
And Chelsea and I coming in on a plus two. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, yeah, I'm happy to see you here as well. Um, there is, there's something special about <laughs> Black Christmas. Uh, you don't expect it. That's the biggest part. You hear about Black Christmas. You understand its premise. There's a killer loose at a sorority house. You come in expecting a whole lot of tits, a whole lot of partying, gruesome one-by-one murders stacking up. Instead, it's a lot smarter than that. These are real characters. Some of them have real problems, like alcoholism, smoking, being prude, or just being jaded. None of their problems seem to be that they're outright idiots. So it's a watered-down whodunit. There's really only two characters you think could do it. The phone calls are really disturbing. The pace never gets too slow to stop paying attention. Even the POV stuff that I hear some people here complaining about, I feel is done better than all the other POV stuff I've seen. It's stable, it seemed creepy, all the breathing was appropriate. Things that would have normally been annoying done by somebody else seem to come across well done this time. And I appreciate that. And so I can't, I can't say I wanted to be super impressed, but I come away thinking, I think I am actually super impressed. This movie does something. It takes something and changes it into something else, and it creates all the genre tropes that we'll see for the next 35, 40 years. And coming across this movie and seeing it done here, you realize that this really is where a lot of this started. You can feel it. So it's a recommend, especially if you're a horror lover, plus two. Alright, you guys want to find out what's next? We got our holiday horror out of the way. What is that? Does that mean that we're up for sequels and remakes next? I believe so. Black Christmas 2. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> if only. 2006. It's only a remake. Yeah, it would have to be the remake. Yep. We died. Crank this up real quick. There's quite a bit to choose from on the old sequels and remakes these days. (laughs) The category is sequels and remakes. I have spun a sequel. You will be watching a special fan edit of Book of Shadows. Just kidding. You will be watching Andrew Don't Freak Out, Bride of Reanimator. Yeah! <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, I was man. hoping for the fan edit. The fan edit of Book Shadows made me want to put a gun in my mouth. Me, I think me and Nathan both looked at each other and I was ready to kill someone. <laughs> So mean, Wilter. <laughs> I look forward to that. And that's a great way to start off the new year with Bride of Reanimator. Some Jeffrey Combs, man. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Too excited? 
I won't be talking to you in this voice anymore. I'm so sad. Hey. Now we have to wait until we watch the remake of Black Christmas, or you could possibly have a little bit of fun with Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. He's got a weird voice in that movie as well. And his name is also Billy. Billy. <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. Merry Black Christmas to everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. 100lunatics.com. Write to us. Send us an email. 100lunatics at gmail.com. Reach us at tw on Twitter at 100lunatics. Reach Nathan on Twitter at I Hate Horror. Visit the Trailer Park podcast uh, online. Check out the sister site. Nathan puts a lot of work into it. Very fancy stuff over there. You can also check out the intern archive update while you're there at trailerparkpodcast.com. And say hello to Andrew the Intern on Twitter at the intern TPP. And of course, Chelsea. Hey. The person who I respect most on tonight's podcast. Thank you. Because she agreed with your rating? Because she had a solid rating, yeah. I, I'm saying it's because Chelsea's not a dick. I'm sorry, I don't... I uh, can't hear what you say unless you're speaking as Billy. <laughs> I'll talk like this when I want to. Please don't address me in that voice. It creeps me out. Oh, I want to make like so, 50 sound clips with you. I'll just keep feeding you things to say and you keep saying them to me. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, Chelsea. We'll make this as painless for you as possible. Ugh. <sighs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Daddy have a little lick. <laughs> All right. <He's> violated. <laughs>